Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to an Amber a Day, the functional nutrition podcast, and I'm Amber Fisher, and um, I'm really excited to be back here for podcast number 16, I believe, which is kind of crazy. I have been at this now for almost two years, um, and some of you are going to say, wow, only 16 podcasts in two years, but if you knew the kind of two years that I have had, you would understand, so... Uh, if you don't, and this is the first podcast that you're listening to, I highly recommend you go back in time and uh, listen to a little bit of what's gone on with me over the last two years. Uh, so podcast 16, I'm excited. Uh, for those of you who are new to listening to me, thank you so much for um, being here. I know you have a lot of choices when it comes to listening to nutrition podcasters, and I hope that you will find me interesting enough to stick around. So thank you so much. Um, So first thing I like to do on these podcasts, and this is something that I'm doing new as of the last couple ones, is just talking a little bit about myself at the beginning, and then we'll go on to today's topic, which is the adrenals, which is something that I have been covering all week um, on social media. So um First of all, what's going on with me? Uh, those of you who follow me um, on Instagram uh, probably already know this, but um, I have battled endometrial cancer since uh, 2015, I think when I was first diagnosed, and held it off for several good years and um, just found out last week that... Um, Unfortunately, it has recurred. So, huge, huge bummer. Um, I am at the point with this situation with the endometrial cancer that um, I almost don't feel the sadness anymore. Um, I've just been dealing with this stuff for so long. For a long time before I ever even got diagnosed with the cancer, I was dealing with the precursor issues with this. And this is just something that my body is prone to and something that I've just had to kind of come to terms with. That's always going to be an issue in the background for me. You know, I think uh, I've been struggling a lot with what to say um, or not to say because in the past... I've been very quiet about my issues with this because, uh, frankly, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Um, I am a functional nutritionist and I specialize in fertility and I work really hard um, at that profession and I do an excellent job. I've helped many women to regain some sense of fertility. I've had clients get pregnant naturally. I've had clients be really successful at fertility treatments and 
Um, so hormonal balance is, is like a huge part of what I do every day and what I love to do. And unfortunately, um, for me, you know, no matter what I know and no matter what I, uh, do, I just can't seem to get those hormones under control completely for myself. And I think that that, um, is just, you know, I hope that the people who follow me and listen to me appreciate my openness and honesty and vulnerability about that stuff because I think so much we hear from these uh, nutritionists and health professionals um, and they profess to have these perfect lives um, which I know working as a nutrition professional isn't true I can't tell you how many dietitians nutritionists and then um, MDs that I know of or know personally who have health issues themselves. That's one of the main motivators why people tend to get into careers like this, because we want to help others with something that we've struggled with. And those struggles sometimes can last a lifetime um, if it's a big issue. So you know, to be frank, I, I debated whether I was even going to mention that to all of my followers just because um, I do find it somewhat embarrassing that, you know, I can do all this good, but I can't seem to get that last little piece that's going to put the puzzle in place for me yet. Um, But what I've been told by several of my clients and friends uh, and family is that, you know, that doesn't take away from what I can do and what I know and you know, they have been appreciating that I've been open and honest about what's been going on with me. And so I'm holding on to that and I'm going to keep being open and honest. I just have come to a place in my life where I feel like I want to be an open book with people to as big an extent as I can, because I think we get this impression that other people are perfect and live these perfect lives. And that unrealistic expectation is part of why so many people struggle so much with their health journey because they just feel like it's this insurmountable mountain that they're never going to be able to climb, especially because, you know, they don't have the perfect life of this Instagram influencer. So how in the world can they even expect to make any progress with their health? And the truth is that we're all just people and we all have our burdens to bear. And um, unfortunately for me, estrogen dominance severe estrogen dominance that leads to um, paired with PCOS and and just a genetic predisposition towards really quickly developing endometrial issues has just led me here again. So um, not to, you know, be like the world's most major bummer during my podcast, but, you know, those of you who are clients and friends uh, who follow me on this podcast know that this is something that I've been dealing with for a while and um, the uh, I'll probably do another podcast in more depth once I know kind of what's going on and I could kind of recap the whole situation for those of you who are interested um, in how my PCOS sort of developed into this eventually but um, you know for now I'm just um, taking it one day at a time I've got a meeting with um, an oncologist next week to go over my options and it looks like at this point that um, you know what I knew would eventually happen uh, which is a, a total hysterectomy is probably in the cards for me a little bit sooner than I expected so um, looks like 
IVF and pregnancy sort of triggered um, this process that I had under control with hormonal therapy and uh, healthy diet and lifestyle and everything. Um, just the process of the stress on my body of all the hormonal treatments over the last year, trying to get um, pregnant and have my son, um, totally 100% worth it, but it does look like they uh, have triggered this issue for me. So I wouldn't take a single minute of it back, but I'm here again and um, feeling really vulnerable about it. So um, thank you to those of you who have been so kind and uplifting and really made me feel good about sharing this stuff. Um, Because, you know, my knee-jerk reaction, which I think a lot of us are like this, our knee-jerk reaction is to not share uh, because it doesn't fit with the brand or whatever it may be, um, doesn't look good on your on your news feed. So, um, but you know, I'm a real person and these are real things that I'm dealing with. And so this is what I'm going through right now. So if that's stuff that you're interested in, subscribe to the podcast because you'll probably get more about it later. But besides that, what's been going on here is just work, crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of work. Um, I have been busier with consultations than I have been in a really long time. So most of that stuff is coming through word of mouth from you guys sharing with your friends and family about me. And I really can't thank you enough for that. I have a very good friend who maybe is listening right now who has also been helping me develop some more strategies for my social media. It's so funny how people come into our lives at just the right time. Um, This is a, a woman who I met Uh, in the NICU, actually, when my son and her son were both in the NICU together. They were born within a couple days of each other. Um, Actually, all four of us have birthdays right um, at the end of October, beginning of November. So we're all right in a row, uh, which is really funny. And she and I have just been um, spending a lot of time uh, video chatting each other. And she actually has a marketing background. And She's been helping me a ton, you know, because social media is something that I have aspired to do a lot more with um, for several years now, pretty much since I got into practice and just have been so fortunate to be busy seeing clients in person that I haven't had the time to devote to it like I would like to. And pretty much, you know, blogging and doing this podcast have been about all I could handle, um, So I'm really excited because she is helping me a lot with different stuff like that. So we're getting places. So if you don't follow me on social media, you might want to because it's uh, new stuff coming down the pipeline and it'll be actually more pretty, visually pretty to look at, which is a huge goal for me. So um, that's what's going on with me. What's going on with baby Calvin, for those of you who are interested in him, is that he has another tooth now, so he's been a lot of fun popping that tooth. He loves to chew on everything, and um, he has just been uh, learning to say some consonant sounds and going to speech therapy to help him catch up a little bit with his uh, speech, and he's learning to crawl and all that stuff, so he's just a total joy, and we're having the most fun ever. Uh, taking care of him. It's been really fun that the all three of us have been home so much during this time. We're really grateful that, you know, you know, even with everything that's going on that's been hard, that we both 
my husband and I have both gotten this time with Calvin that if the pandemic had not happened, we wouldn't have had because we both would have been at work so much. So when you can't get that time back with a baby, you know, so, um, and especially given the situation that I'm in right now where, you know, we're discussing whether we want to potentially freeze eggs, you know, to use as maybe a surrogate later or forgo the whole idea of a second child at all. You know, these are big questions. And so I'm just doubly grateful that we are getting this very, very precious time with our son. So that's been where I've been putting a lot of my focus lately. But um, today, what I really wanted to talk about more than anything is the topic that we've been sort of going over with the uh, on my blog and on my social media. We've been discussing something that I call the priority pyramid, which is this idea that the body has different levels of things that it cares about, that it addresses the hormonal balance last because it has to address these other more fundamental root causes first. So in somebody with hormonal imbalance, I always look deeper and I look at the adrenals first. And um, if that seems out of whack, then I look even further at gut health. And so today what I wanted to talk about is the adrenals themselves and just some signs that maybe you are having adrenal issues. I think when we think of like hormonal imbalance issues, we get really caught up in estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and all that kind of stuff. And that's important to look at. I mean, it's good to see your blood work and see, you know, okay, these levels are out of whack. But the reasons why they're out of whack, that's what's a little bit more complicated and can be different for different people. So it's always useful to look deeper at something that's more important to the body. And the next place to look is the adrenals, because if the adrenals are out of whack, they're going to send those hormones out of whack um, really quickly. And so, and no, you're not going to make much progress at all. Um, if you're not taking a look at those adrenals, it's just such a fundamental system to our hormonal health, especially for women. So what are the adrenals? A lot of, you know, you hear this word adrenals, adrenals, adrenals. Like I think bloggers love to talk about adrenals and I hesitate to talk about the adrenals too much because I do think that there's kind of an over-focus on the adrenals at the expense of gut health. I think, um, I, you know, I, at least in the last few years, I've been seeing a lot of talk about gut health too, which is great. Um, not everybody knows quite what they're talking about with gut health, but they're trying and they're starting to turn on to the idea that gut health is really important. So that's good. Um, but you know, for the longest time, all you would ever hear about was adrenal fatigue and the adrenals, the adrenals. Um, and so I avoid talking about it too much because I don't want to sound like a broken record with everybody else, but I feel like there's some more um, unique insights that I can provide on adrenal issues and signs that you have adrenal issues than just the basic stuff that you're going to read if you do a Google search. So um, first thing we need to talk about is what the adrenals are. So if you don't know, you do have these two glands that sit on top of each of your kidneys and they're called the adrenal glands. And they secrete a hormone called cortisol. And that's the main thing that we're looking at when we look at the adrenals. 
So the cortisol is like your stress hormone, but it's also an energy hormone. So the real key with cortisol is that you want it in a rhythm and in a balance. You don't want too much of it, but you also don't want none of it. So you, I don't know if you, if you ever watch infomercials at like one o'clock in the morning, but there used to be this infomercial where it would have this like animation of a person's like stomach and it would show like their belly getting larger and be like, if you have stubborn belly fat, you probably have too much cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. So there was this big push to like lower cortisol, lower cortisol. Well, then you hear the other side of it too, where it's like, oh, are you exhausted and have no energy? Then you might have adrenal fatigue. So the real key is both of those things can be issues. Most people fall somewhere in the middle. They don't have a perfect balance, but they aren't too, like, they aren't so high that it's just craziness, and they aren't so low that they're just completely depleted. Cortisol is supposed to be higher in the morning, lower as the day goes on, and really tank right about bedtime, so like 10 p.m. for most people. And then it gets higher in the morning again, peaks probably, I guess, at 10 a.m., for the average person. And that's just sort of the circadian rhythm, right? So we're supposed to be up when the sun's up, asleep when the sun's asleep, all that kind of stuff. So when we look at the adrenals and we look particularly at cortisol balance, we know that things like high cortisol and low cortisol can cause a cascade of issues in the body that lead to issues with the hormones. This already becomes an extremely complicated topic that in one podcast I could never get to the bottom of. And in order to spare you from me getting like overly biochemical, I'm going to talk about this in a way that I think is... Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. easier to understand and in a way that I would speak to the, you know, that I would speak to somebody who I'm working with or, you know, somebody who has a general interest in health, but maybe doesn't know the, you know, the biochemical mechanism by which all this stuff happens. Most people who are listening to this are probably wondering, hey, do I have adrenal issues? You know, like, I don't know. I'm tired. Is that an adrenal issue? So um, the first sign, I guess, that you might have adrenal issues is what we always think of as adrenal issues. So it's fatigue. Um, You know, you would say that you live on coffee, right? Or you're so tired that this is what true adrenal fatigue looks like. You're so tired that you wake up in the morning, you are tired in the morning, you're tired in the afternoon, you're tired in the evening. You could lay down and nap at any time and then go to sleep and sleep 12 hours and you're still tired. If you're just tired all the time, that's that type of fatigue can indicate adrenal fatigue. 
Now, I'll tell you that sometimes adrenal fatigue, sometimes gut issues get mistaken for adrenal fatigue because gut issues can cause a type of adrenal fatigue. Um, And in fact, most adrenal issues do have their root in something wrong with the gut. So it's pretty rare for somebody to have something that's just wrong with their adrenals, right? Because the body's a system and all the systems talk to each other. So it's usually useful to look deeper than just the adrenals for any type of issue that we're dealing with. But for this sake, we're trying to look and see if there's any adrenal issues that might need to be addressed. The good thing about adrenals is they can be pretty effectively addressed with diet, lifestyle, and supplementation. Um, the two, the three usually have to go together. Um, it's it's not super common for people to be able to address things with just diet um, alone. Lifestyle is a big, big part of it. But most of the time when I see people who have true imbalances here, there is some supplementation that's necessary. And it's pretty easy supplementation, though, and it, it works pretty well. So I feel like... Um, it's not that outside of the realm of what people would want to do. So adrenal fatigue is just kind of this chronic fatigue and exhaustion that happens. Um, It's very common, like the common person that this would happen in is like a woman, she's about 40 years old, she's in the middle of raising a couple of kids, she either works a lot, has a stressful job, or, you know, she's got a lot of kids and they're very stressful to deal with. I mean, that's a big job too. So there's the key factor is her age and the fact that she's stressed and she's been chronically stressed for years. She's been living on lack of sleep for a long time. She, you know, uses caffeine, not to just give her a little boost of energy in the morning, but pretty much to keep her going. There are some women with this, and it is much more common in women than men. There are some women with this who are so low on energy that not even coffee or caffeine really help. And that's when you know it's like really a problem that maybe needs to be addressed. So I will tell you, though, that chronic food allergies, exposure to food allergies and food sensitivities, but particularly allergies, can cause this type of issue, this chronic fatigue that feels like adrenal fatigue and is really adrenal fatigue, but it's not caused directly by the adrenals. It's caused more by that issue in the gut. So there's um, there's ways that this can be masked, but that is the typical person that you think of with adrenal fatigue. And adrenal fatigue is that typical thing that you think of when you think, oh, something's wrong with the adrenals. But let's talk a little bit about How would you identify, you know, what are some other signs that you might have adrenal issues besides just your typical adrenal fatigue stuff? So the other thing you hear about a lot are people who um, run. You hear a lot about like chronic cardio and runners and stuff. And I will say that if a person comes into my office this is a type of person that that reaches out to me a lot, I'll tell you. So there, you know, the longer I do this, the more I realize that there are these kind of categories of people that tend to eventually seek help from a nutritionist. And the adrenal types, I call them because I can always tell who they are um, because of what they say in their email, their initial email to me. And they say, I'm a really healthy person. I work out a lot 
and they either list what they do, you know, they do CrossFit or they run or they're a personal trainer or they do bodybuilding or, you know, anything like that. They, they identify themselves with their athleticism, right? And then they say, and I've been gaining weight or I haven't been able to lose weight. And the, the implication is I'm doing everything right, but something's going on with my metabolism that I can't figure out. This type of person, more than anybody else, is the issue, is the adrenal person that I have the most trouble with. And it's not because it's an impossible problem to solve. We've I've solved it successfully. It's actually fairly easy to address. Um, the problem is that these this type of person doesn't like to hear the advice that I have to give because it takes away something that's very fundamental to their conception of themselves, which is their um, athleticism. So more often than not, if I see somebody, and, and the reason that they reach out to me is usually because of weight, because they're focused on, you know, either, per, you know, performance, and for performance, sometimes you, you need to be, you know, of a certain size, right? Or they're focused on body image, because they're, they've got more of a type A personality. I mean, they're already really into exercise and stuff. They want to look a certain way. They want to blend in with that group. So usually they reach out to me because of weight, but I've had that same type of person reach out to me for other reasons. Maybe they've got some sort of autoimmune disorder that they've developed. Um, Maybe, you know, they're, they are starting to have, um, this happens a lot, kind of chronic arthritis and pain type stuff. Um, with their exercise. So there's many different reasons why a person with this might reach out to me. But the common thread is that they're having some sort of issue that they can't pinpoint and they exercise a lot. So um, what happens when you are this type of exerciser is that you're, you, you pretty much start stressing your body to the point where it's producing so much cortisol all the time that it starts making it difficult to sleep. And you start needing caffeine to push through your workouts. You start eventually depleting that cortisol until you get into the state of kind of chronic exhaustion. Where we see the weight issues start to pop up is usually in the earlier phase when the cortisol is still high. And then as the cortisol gets low, the problem just continues to get worse and worse. But if you are a person who for example, trains for any type of um, marathon running, if you are a sprinter and you do that several times a week, if you do HIIT training, you know, I know everybody's really big into HIIT training right now, but women do not tend to do well with excessive HIIT training. Um, If you are a bodybuilder or if you're a personal trainer and you work out with your clients, like a lot of personal trainers do, the first thing you should think about if you're a healthy eater and you're having issues with this is, am I doing too much activity? So if you're this type of person, I'm going to take a second and explain to you what too much activity looks like. And keep in mind that I'm not a personal trainer and I'm not a fitness professional. So I always suggest that you get advice from a very well-rounded intelligent fitness professional who has a lot of years of experience in this and isn't going to make you do two a days because you can't lose weight. 
Okay, so my caveat is that there are a lot of different fitness professionals out there and not all of them are um, as balanced about what they do as others. I know a great one in San Antonio if you're interested. But um, if you are the type who likes to do elliptical machine, you like to do bar or group workout sessions, you like to run, you are a personal trainer, you like to do bodybuilding. Um, what are some other examples? I've even seen it in people who just do a, like way too much like Pilates or yoga or Zumba. Um, take a look at how often you're doing that. What I usually recommend for women is cardio type exercise no more than a few days a week. Everything else should be light activity. And when I say light activity, I do not mean jogging. So if you're this type of person, what's going to happen is that your knee-jerk reaction is going to be that this sounds like not doing enough. And it's going to be frustrating to you and you're not going to want to hear it. And you're going to want to try to find ways to get around this advice to make it work so that you're still getting a ton of movement in. So I see people who are doing two-a-days. Um, and they're doing weights in the morning and elliptical in the evening, or they're doing like two hour workouts or even one hour workouts every day. They're waking up at the crack of dawn to work out and go to classes. They're doing CrossFit all the time. That's too much for the female body in most cases, especially if you're already dealing with a chronic stress issue like a hormonal imbalance. Okay, so if you have hormonal imbalance, and most likely if you're listening to me as a podcaster, you are dealing with some of this stuff, you really should think about cutting back. That doesn't mean no activity at all, because that's equally bad for your body to just lay around and not do anything. But what I have seen work the best is a very moderate approach with lots of light activity like walking, not power walking, just basic strolling through the neighborhood, about five, um, maybe even six days a week, doing some, um, you could also do some yoga, like uh, flexibility and, and um, stretching yoga, not strength yoga or hot yoga. Okay, that would count more as like a HIIT type workout. And then um, that's what your week is mostly made up of. But the really, really important part, especially too for people who are trying to lose weight or for women with PCOS, is to do strength training twice a week. Full body, um, working all the muscle groups. You do heavy weights. It's a short workout, about 30 minutes. You get all that done, and then you give your body lots and lots and lots of time to rest. Because guess what? When you do those types of strength workouts, your body continues burning higher amounts of calories for like 72 hours after. So you're making big impacts even though it doesn't feel like it. Less is really more when it comes to exercise. Hit training, I'm not against hit training, but like once a week. Not every day. If you're doing like some sort of camp or, you know, boot camp or I'm not going to mention names of different online programs that you can do where, you know, for 90 days you're supposed to do this intense, crazy workout. That's the kind of stuff that just does not work for women's hormones. It just doesn't. 
So if you feel like you are dealing with this, where you are gaining weight and you can't figure out why, like nothing's really changed with what you're eating and you're actually eating healthy, but you're continuing to gain weight and you don't know why and you keep increasing your exercise to try to deal with it, try the opposite approach. And I know this is so scary, but try to do no, try to take a week off. Don't do anything. Just walk around the block in the evenings. Don't try to aim for 10,000 steps. Just walk around the block a couple times a day, you know, stay, move around a little bit every hour, rest, let your body rest and watch those diet changes that you're doing start making a difference. I have seen that more times than I can count that if people just take a step back and just give their body a break and let it rest, that the weight starts to come off. And I'll tell you why, because weight loss is already a stress on your body. Okay. So there's lots of different kinds of stresses, right? In general, people's People are living at this low-grade level of stress all the time because of a toxic environment, because of chronic stress from their work, their job, their family, um, and chronic stress from their food because most people have some sort of issue with their gut health, and that leads to food sensitivities that are undiagnosed, and this is true even in healthy people. So there's this chronic low level of stress with what you're eating, right? And then you're adding fitness on top of that, and that fitness lifestyle that gets kind of out of control for some people ends up causing extra stress on your body, and when you keep increasing it and increasing it, And having so much, your body never gets a chance to rest, rebuild, and rejuvenate. And that's so equally important to building and to strengthening and to challenging the muscles. The equal side of that is resting the muscle and giving it a chance to breathe and take a second and rebuild itself. Um, So all that is to say that if you are a chronic exerciser, if you feel like you need exercise to survive, I don't want to take something away that is really important for your mental health. Okay. So mental health above all, right. But, um, if there's any way you can step back or change what you're doing and just provide a little bit more space for rest in your life, I think you'll notice that it makes a big difference. Okay. Next type of people. And this is another subject that I can go on a little rampage about. So this may be a long podcast, but hopefully you're here for it at this point. If you have PCOS and you are normal weight, or you might be overweight now, but you had PCOS before when you were normal weight at some point. Okay, so this is a specific type of of person. And I've done a podcast before about PCOS. I've written many articles about PCOS. Um, I have PCOS myself, so this is something that I'm very interested in and I kind of harp on a lot. Um, But there are different types of PCOS. And I'm so sick of seeing uh, the same advice given to women with PCOS, um, not just from doctors, but even from like dietitians and health professionals, because they get these groups confused or they just are looking at the insulin resistant um, or they're not looking at the insulin resistant type. A lot of women like me who are normal weight with PCOS are sitting here listening to this advice that's propagated in like the doctor's office and the conventional medical world and all that and it doesn't seem like it really applies to us. And then you've got this group of women who is overweight, developed that overweight 
issue before they developed PCOS, and they're talking about it like it doesn't exist. And it gets really frustrating because as a normal weight woman with PCOS or a woman who at one point was normal weight, you feel like you fall through the cracks and there's no information for you. Um, about 50% of women with PCOS are actually normal weight. So to hear constantly about this issue of PCOS being a, an, an issue with women who are only overweight is like, it's very frustrating because as that is a big group, I mean, that's a big part of it. And absolutely there's help, you know, we can have help for those women and there's a lot that we can do for them. But there's also this group um, that have a little bit more of a complicated issue. And women with normal weight PCOS tend to have always had these issues, even since, you know, right directly since puberty or even sometimes before. So these are issues that are somehow genetic, partially, um, they're certainly partially environmental. It's a complex uh, disorder um, that we don't know a lot about. And But what, what we do know is that it's kind of a basket diagnosis, right? So you get thrown in there and, you know, you don't really f- fit like the other person that's in here. Y'all don't really have the same thing going on. It just kind of presents the same way. So um, it gets really frustrating. But I tell you, there's a large proportion of women with PCOS, and it tends to be this group, this normal weight group, who have a lot of their PCOS symptoms as a direct result of high chronic stress, particularly adrenal stress. So, um, you know, when the adrenals become stressed, the body produces excessive cortisol. And that excessive cortisol can contribute to and create this insulin resistant environment in the body. Um, As an aside, gut health issues can also create insulin resistance because there's actually bacteria that get um, out of whack in the microbiome that actually increase insulin resistance too. So there's, you know, multiple things going on usually, but the adrenals, the cortisol being high can contribute to um, insulin issues. And all women with PCOS, regardless of how they developed it or what type they have, have something called hyperinsulinemia which is they produce excessive insulin as a result of eating the same thing that, you know, you you and your friend eat a piece of cake, you produce, you know, it depends on the person, but let's say twice as much insulin as your friend does who doesn't have PCOS. So there's an insulin imbalance issue. The women with insulin-resistant PCOS who tend to be this group that develop it later as a result of of obesity, that group um, tends to have an insulin-resistant issue that's then kind of contributing to their symptoms. But with women who are more normal weight with PCOS, the issue tends to be more related to the adrenal. So you've got this cortisol balance kind of upregulating your insulin production. Um, you know, these are the two groups that like the ones who are more prone to PCOS because of excess weight are the ones who are also more prone to developing diabetes. And across the board, women with PCOS are technically more prone to, to die, to having diabetes. But like, you know, there's this group of women that I think is not talked about enough that they produce 
they don't have a problem making insulin, okay? Um, so their A1C looks fine, but they are producing this, and their blood sugar looks fine, but they are producing this like incredible amount of insulin, which is still sending off this cascade of issues with the hormone balance. Um, and a lot of that is like a stress response because their body is in this like chronic fight or flight state. Um, and I've just noticed over the years, this is just something that I struggle with. Um, and I've, you know, I have high cortisol in the morning. Um, it's something that I have addressed with diet and supplementation and stuff. And it's definitely much better than it used to be, but it's kind of just seems to be, and you know, it can be a byproduct too of like, if you're the type of person who has more anxiety and stuff like that. So there is this complicated, but there is this group of women that I think doesn't get talked about enough who their bodies are in this kind of chronic stress state. And it's not a stress because they have extra fat on their body. It's a stress because they're anxious or they have a really stressful job, or it could be stress from foods that they're eating that are causing inflammation so there's many different reasons why that stress could be happening but they are a type who have developed these hormonal issues because the adrenals are out of balance and particularly the cortisol is probably high so um it's important to kind of think about those things especially if you're an overweight woman with pcos look at yourself did you have normal periods before you became overweight? If you have, or, or have you always been overweight, but at one point you had normal periods and now you don't have normal periods. And it was, you know, in your childhood and your teenage years, you had normal periods. And then as an adult, you don't. So these are things to think about because that could indicate that the adrenals have sort of thrown the balance off. Um, a lot of these women present as, they maybe were like right on the verge of overweight and normal weight. They could have been really thin, but they usually fall in that normal BMI category and um, developed and have always, always, always had these PCOS symptoms, even when they were normal weight. That's just a good indicator. So that's a big group that might have adrenal issues. And if you hear my dogs, it's because this is the quarantine podcast. And they love to bark. So you're just going to have to excuse them. Um, so another type of person who probably has adrenal issues that are worth looking into. And I touched on this just a minute ago. But if you wake up with a racing heart, um, you know, we talk a lot about like adrenal fatigue and being tired all the time. But the first step in being tired all the time is actually being overwired, you know? So people with um, a cortisol imbalance tend to be, they can be the type that wake up with a racing heart real early in the morning. They, you know, and this can develop a lot if you're the type of person who has had to use an alarm for years and that alarm always scares you in the morning. You can develop this cortisol response from that. Um, so, you know, as best you can, try not to use an alarm. Although I know, you know, well, I got to get up for work and I ain't going to get up on my own. Um, if you wake up with a racing heart, that could be a sign that your cortisol is high. Um, if you have trouble falling asleep in the evening, you get like a second wind real late at night. That could be a sign that your cortisol is too high at night. And that's what we call a reverse rhythm, which is a really common expression of adrenal issues. 
um, a lot of people will develop a reverse rhythm first before they'll then develop adrenal fatigue later. Um, so those are signs that the adrenals are something that you need to address. I will tell you that my usual approach is to first look at gut health because gut health plays into adrenal health, absolutely. So I usually work on diet and lifestyle changes with these people first, and I usually give it about a month. And then I go back and look at what's left because a lot of times sleep issues and things like that, that or um, fatigue issues that can kind of look like adrenal issues or maybe be temporary adrenal issues can be easily fixed by just changes in diet and lifestyle. And after about a month, you'll kind of start to see progress there. A lot of people start sleeping really well when they start eating better. And then that kind of fixes other things. So that's the first step. I would really give it time. Before you go rushing off to do a cortisol rhythm test and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which, by the way, if you want to do a cortisol rhythm test, I have the capability to um, offer that to people who I don't work with in person now as well. So if you go on my blog, amberfishernutrition.com, and look at the adrenal article that I recently wrote about this, there's a link to that test if you're ever interested in taking it. I think it's like $115, but you get some good results and some recommendations and stuff um, from a company that I trust. So it's a good test to do if you're like curious about what's going on with you. But before you rush off to do something like that, really look at like how are you eating? How are you um, living? You know, are there changes that you can make there first? And I would give those changes a good month to really see any difference. And then after a month, if you're still having issues with the energy cycles in your life, that's when I would look at, okay, maybe I need to test my cortisol and see what's up here. And it might be something where I need to take a supplement for a while. Um, so my first piece of advice is really to look at your activity. Be honest with yourself about it. You know, I mean, it's so hard to know what to do, right? How much is too much? How much is not enough? You hear very conflicting things. But just be honest with yourself. If you feel like you're pushing really, really pushing through the exhaustion to get through workouts, chances are you're not resting enough. And I would always say to err on the side of resting more, you know, especially if you're dealing with adrenal issues, more rest is going to be really important. So um, I recommend like two full rest days a week. You can walk during those rest days or you can do like flexibility yoga, but, um, Full rest days are really, really important. Everybody needs that. And it's not just for your physical health, but your mental health too. So if you have the, you know, I know not everybody's lucky enough to have that space in their life, but if you do, take it. Um, and then uh, set boundaries in your life. You know, this is getting into like counselory stuff, which I'm not a counselor. I have some, some of my very best friends are counselors. Um, and I would definitely defer to them on this stuff. If you don't have a great ther uh, mental health professional in your life, that is always, always a good idea. But for many of us who struggle with adrenal issues, we tend to be people pleasers of some form or another, whether it's because we want recognition and we have a lot of ambition and drive, 
for that recognition or whether we're helper types who always want to be helping and making sure that other people are taken care of. Whatever it may be, we struggle with setting boundaries for ourselves. We struggle with saying no. We struggle with taking space for ourselves. Look, I'm a new mom. I know that a lot of you are new moms. The postpartum journey definitely doesn't leave much space for setting boundaries and taking time for yourself. But you do have power over what you do with your time, your free time. And I think a lot of us get so bogged down with not wanting to say no to people who want to either get together or they want to talk or they want help or whatever it may be. And it's useful, especially in a time like this where a lot of us have more space to kind of uh, avoid (laughs) scenarios where our energy gets drained. But it's useful to look at like, okay, what things in my life am I doing because I really want to be doing them and what things am I doing because I feel pressured to do them or bullied into doing them. Um, So what are you motivated to do and what are you just doing because you feel like you just want to save face and um, always in life it's better to make yourself happy um, than to go around trying to save face. You know, obviously there are difficult things in life that must be worked through and that builds character but You know, I think the type of person who needs to hear this advice is the type of person who is so persistently trying to go through these life experiences of, you know, helping others and building character and having drive and all this stuff that they forget to take care of themselves. And um, as they say, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So um, work on those controllable stresses that you have, you know, So not all stress is emotional stress, not all stress is related to uh, family and friends and um, job and all that. There are a lot of stresses in our life that are biological stressors, you know, and the biggest one is, of course, diet. If you're eating a diet that's unhealthy or foods in your diet are inflammatory to you, and that's the key because everybody's different with that, but if you're eating foods you're sensitive to, allergic to... Um, If you're eating foods that are highly inflammatory, have a lot of sugar content, a lot of carbohydrate content, you are stressing your body with that stuff. And if you think about stress as like a meter where it fills up and then it topples over, if you're already at 50% with your food and diet stresses, and then you add the emotional stresses of, you know, maybe like... um, trouble at work or a new baby or you know issues with friends or a spouse or something that can very easily topple you over the edge into you know a a crisis a health crisis right but um if your food stress issues are at 25 percent, you're in a much better place to handle and tolerate the stresses that naturally come during life i mean there's nothing we can do about some of that stuff right so i always look at stress as like primarily from a biological standpoint, like what are the things that I can control here? Um, and what are the things I can't? I think we hear a lot about, oh, you know, meditation, self-care, and that stuff is so is very important. I don't want to downgrade that it's important. I just think we hear all this really pithy advice that doesn't really help anything. Like when somebody tells you to go take a bath for self-care, it's like, okay, so, but that's not really (laughs) fixing the root of 
of your self-care issues. Like your self-care issues revolve around you not being able to say no to, you know, your friend on the street who wants you to sell this MLM product and you just don't know how to say no to them. So it's, um, it's much more complicated than that. But the things that we can control are what we eat, right? Um, for most of us. And so what we eat, eat an anti-inflammatory balanced diet, that'll set you up for success in a lot of different ways. And then supplement where you need to. Um, Cortisol issues often require supplementation. If you go on my blog and look at my latest post, I do give some recommendations about the supplements that I like to use for cortisol issues. Um, And I link to some, to the brand that I recommend. Um, It's a brand that only um, healthcare professionals and uh, nutritionists can sell. And I like that because um, they have higher quality standards and their stuff is more potent, which I think is important. Um, but anyway, I talk a little bit about what I recommend if your cortisol is high, what I recommend if it's low. So if it's high or if it's unknown, phosphatidylserine is my favorite one to use because phosphatidylserine has been shown to balance cortisol levels, whether they're high or low. And then if it's low, there's a lot of really great herbal supplements that combine stuff like rhodiola, uh, maybe sometimes ashwagandha, different things like that that can kind of help raise cortisol levels in the body. So there's different things, and I link to them in that article if you're um, interested in that. But um, those are the biggest pieces of advice. And then, of course, you know, after you've worked on diet and lifestyle, if you still feel like you're having issues with this, really supplementation sometimes is, is the only thing that can get you back to balance. So it's important with that to kind of, you know, I think it's wise to do testing to check your rhythm um, first. And there's ways that you can do that. Again, there's a link to that on my uh, blog on how you can get a test kit to do that yourself. So, which is really awesome that you can do that kind of stuff now. So those are my, my recommendations on adrenals. But I think if I'm checking here, yeah, this has been a long podcast. So those of you who listen to me know I'm long-winded to begin with. I hopefully I will edit this down, but as it stands right now, while I'm recording this live. It's about 55 minutes, so it's a long one. So I'm gonna let you guys go. Um, if you have any questions for the podcast, please send an email to anamberadaypodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to answer your nutrition questions, and uh, I'll see you next week. Bye bye. something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both i'd love it if you would leave me an itunes review and share this with a friend if this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer there is a google form that you can use to ask me any question you want and i might answer it here on the podcast i do it all the time and i would love to hear from you thanks so much for listening see you next time